This week on Movie Time Machine, four friends and fledgling entrepreneurs, knowing that there's something bigger and more innovative than the different error-checking devices they've built, wrestle over their new invention. This is Primer. Yeah, that. Yes. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, your retro movie review podcast where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie, Primer, released in the year 2004, directed by Shane Carruth, starring Shane Carruth and David Sullivan. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and let me introduce you to my Time Machine co-host. First, I want to introduce you to Mr. Scaredy Pants himself, it's Jamie. The letters, I see them, but I can't write them. He lives in the entertainment past more than a present. It's Casey. What's up? Yo, after this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in the box so I can do the podcast over again later, because I think I need a second try. <laughs> <laughs> and our living encyclopedia of movie knowledge and NES cart collector, it's James. My buddy came over the other day and we watched the new Mortal Kombat and I didn't realize after he left, he brought me his Nintendo in a like target bag and just didn't say anything and left it on my counter because he knew I would take it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, so my wife goes, what's this? And I go, oh my God. She goes, why? Awesome. <laughs> Hold on, like, Cherry Nintendos? That's brilliant. <laughs> like he he just brought me his NES his system because I do uh, he was the same buddy I uh, already have the majority of his games that he was trying to like limit his collection and then he gave me a Nintendo system as well. Like oh he must it. have multiples or whatever. I'm guessing he has. Off. Sure, I'd like to assume yes. Uh, as as we all do, right? As we all do. Brilliant, beautiful. That's a good friend. That's a I nice know. friend. I know. I was an idiot and sold mine a long time ago. Well, Chad, I have another for you. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any carts left either. So, oh, don't so worry. I, I have multiple certain games. I'll just give you all my duplicates. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a good friend! What a good, what friend. a good friend! <laughs> all right. Before we get into our movie of the week, and I want to let you guys know what I've been doing since last time we got together. I've been watching me some The Bad Batch on Disney Plus. I'm three episodes in, so pretty good so far. I like how they're they're doing some things, kind of tying up some loose ends. Um, someone maybe say plot holes in the Star Wars universe. So uh, some pretty interesting ways to make a lot of sense. So been enjoying that so far, uh, especially the first episode was I think was over an hour long, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it was seventy five minutes, and I was. I think I remember texting you going, are all episodes going to be this long, like Sherlock <laughs> style? Which I wasn't mad about, but I just need to prepare myself for it. Yeah, yeah. and they weren't, but that would have been cool if they're all like that, damn. But, um, yeah, so... And for, and, sorry, what's that? I cut you off. For the, for the uninformed, this is an offshoot of the Clone Thank Wars. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yep, so this takes... So Clone Wars, they what was it like season six it ended, then it came back for a seventh season uh, recently, I think just last year. Um, and the Bad Batch, they were introduced, I think it was like the first three or four episodes of that final season. So, but wait, hold on. Yeah. So should you watch the Clone Wars first? 
I don't. I mean, maybe if you just watch those first three or four episodes of season seven, I don't think so. I haven't okay. watched all of Clone Wars I, either, so I haven't so watched can... any of Clone Wars. And Chad is the one who said I don't think so. And then I just went for it, and I'm like, hey, if I don't know what's going on, I'm probably going to shut it off anyways, right? And uh, right. I, you can get if you get the Star Wars background in general, you can get on board with what's going on. So if you've seen the movies, you're good. Yeah, good call. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Oh, these clones don't have to listen to orders. Perfect. I'm caught up. <laughs> yeah. I was going to spoil uh, Mandalorian Season 2 tonight, but um, since I just wanted to pass the baton and hear what, what else everyone else has been doing, um, I'm going to hold and wait till next episode. Ooh. <laughs> big of you. Well, that Jamie, is. Jamie, don't, don't leave us in uh, all this tension. No, Did that's Did you huge. finish The Mandalorian? I have not finished The Mandalorian. <laughs> Chad, you had every right to spoil it because an <laughs> agreement's an agreement, but I appreciate that. I Instead, I've been watching season two of The Wire, and I regret nothing. That's what I've been watching. James, what have you been watching? Uh, I uh, watched season three of Westworld, and you know, like all the data breaches, and I know, I feel like you guys are all on board with the... Uh, Everyone's stealing our data, and I'm not getting paid for it. Or, no, I guess you're not, like, mad like that, but... Um, no, that's me. That's me. Okay, that's Jesse. Okay, I didn't want to totally generalize. Me. <laughs> I knew Casey for sure, but I didn't want yeah, to Yeah, I'm a, I'm a curmudgeon. But I guess in, the, in the, like, the big picture of things, I'm like, okay, so, like, why do I care if somebody takes, like, what I'm, my, what I'm watching and my data and stuff? And in Westworld Season 3, like, they really take it to the next level um, with why that could potentially be important. Um, and so... Uh, I'll preface with spoiler with just a very minimal piece of it um, in there, but with the data um, in season three of Westworld, they're, they basically, um, the world has already decided your fate is what they kind of show is um, one of the main characters shows another main character like, Hey, look at, this is your page and gives him the iPad and he's reading it. And it's like, this is how he's going to die. He's going to uh, do this, do this. And then he's going to jump off a, like a pier and kill himself because of, a, B, and C. And, like, they've already decided his fate and because of, like, what decisions they're allowing him to make. Like, they're like, yep, he'll never be a doctor. Nope, he'll never amount to anything. He's not worth it. Like, and so they're already picking and choosing, like, who's going, kind of like, I'd say Winter Soldier style. Like, they're already choosing, mm -hmm. like, hey, who is going to help this world and who is just mm -hmm. going to be a deadbeat and we're not going to spend any more time on this person and therefore already control what's going to happen next. So, um, yeah, it's it gets interesting. Like I said, it's it's really deep and far out there, but it also made me go, "Huh. Okay, I kind of I kind of get it. It, it it's just in the same sense of what I talk about, man, I like Diet Coke Cherry." I like and then next thing I know on my phone has an ad for Diet Coke Cherry going, "Did you know it's at Walmart for this much?" Like <laughs> uh so like I don't know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun to watch, so I definitely recommend Westworld if you uh hadn't watched it. Um Season two kind of started getting in a weird, uh, I don't know, weird storyline, but I think they really circled it back around for season three. Uh, yeah, yeah I was, uh, season, but I, I couldn't, I guess I, I wasn't ready or prepared to do like the, the season two or season three. I kind of just, did you start season. season two? Yeah. And you weren't, so that's, I see where you were. Cause so I, I finished season two, but it absolutely was slow for the first few. Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't until the last three or four episodes, um, did you, uh, specifically the one where 
Oh man, you're like seeing it from I think the it's the whole episode about the I think it's one of the native dudes or one of Native American man. It, it, it's it's one of the it's a robot in the park, right? And they like focus on him. It's like a weird split episode. James, you know what I'm talking about, right? That one where yeah, it was I just do. completely removed. From that episode on, I was like totally sucked back in. Those last, mm. I think that's three or four at the end. Um, yeah. Came full circle for me. But I totally agree, though. The first few are super slow, really confusing, and kind of like, what are you what, what are you establishing? But then they, I think they circle back and, and kind of closed it out really, I think it closed out really well. I want to see season three. I just haven't watched it yet. Cool. Case, what are you watching? Uh, you know what? I, we can count that as my segment. I haven't been watching a lot. To be honest, I've been uh, a lot of my free time has been dedicated to other hobbies of mine. Uh, I've been goofing around with my modded Nintendo Switch, updating software, uh, doing some homebrew stuff with that. And a lot, honestly, not to get super nerdy, um, but I've been spending a lot of time goofing around with cryptocurrency things like Dogecoin. Um, and uh, I'm into NBA Top Shot, so I've been watching a lot of YouTube junk on things like that. So. Do you pull any yeah, sweet super nerdy NFTs, stuff. Casey? You pull any no NFTs. Ones? I did uh, I did just actually literally as we started this podcast ripped a common top shot pack um and got a bunch of comments, nothing great, nothing worth any money, but uh No, I'm just watching uh, Dogecoin prices now. Uh we need we need we need Papa Papa Daddy Elon to go tweet some more stuff to drive the price up, that stupid son of a bitch. Oh god. SNL have him back. Hold on, hold on. I'll, let me stand on my soapbox. Well, SNL it tanked right as as soon as SNL happened, it started going down, and then he was on a bit in uh, what Weekend Update where the, there was like a joke where they were asking his character. He was playing some crypto character, and they asked him like, "Well, what is Dogecoin?" And he would ramble on about it's this feature, you know, technology of, of transferring money, yada yada yada. And they would go, "Okay, cool, I get that, but uh, what is Dogecoin?" Like that was the joke. They did that three or four times, and finally. Uh, he said, you know, Elon says something and the guy goes, oh, so it's a hustle. And Elon goes, yeah, it's a hustle. And then price goes down like 50%, like tens, which sounds silly. It went down like 10 cents in a matter of minutes, but 10 cents, you know, if you're sitting on, you know, 30,000 Dogecoin or something like that is going to lose you a lot of money. So he did that, but recently, and not to continue on this nerdy thing, uh, he <laughs> said something about them not taking, uh, Tesla's not going to take Bitcoin, which is because Bitcoin is, is really bad environmentally. There's a lot of places that mine Bitcoin and run the transactions that are run on fossil fuels, so it's really not good for the environment, yada, yada, yada. And he said something about how you know they want to use a more efficient cryptocurrency, and uh Fortunately, one of the one of the more efficient cryptocurrencies is the stupid meme coin Dogecoin. So <laughs> it's a lot of weird stuff going on with crypto. I've you know I'm hoping that uh, I've got I'm gambling on Dogecoin. I guess I should say. Are you? I don't like, feel so uh, bad about my Westworld rant anymore. Yeah, right. No, that's a silly <laughs> cryptocurrency rant. You can cut most of that, Chad, if you'd like. <laughs> All right. So the movie of the week. Let's get to it, Primer. Um, yeah, so we're going to do the movie of the week then. When we're done discussing the film, we are going to uh, chat about our own time travel movie script, movie ideas, um, if we've all prepared for them. I couldn't come up with one because I'm not smart enough. And I think we'll have James go, go last because I think he's 
put a lot of work and effort into his treatment. So, um, yeah. Five minutes a night for the last week. <laughs> boy. It was like right before bed. It's kind of like it felt like the uh, my wife was like, Are you done with your book report? Like kind of thing. <laughs> but it really felt like That's awesome. it felt like I was procrastinating, like where like I would do a little bit before bed and then I would close the laptop, go to bed and then think of something during the day and then uh, do it again at night. <laughs> like, like I said, it was like five minutes before bed every night. I tried to put thought together. So we'll see how it works out. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, Primer. So this came out uh, October 8th, 2004. It had a budget of $7,000 and it made $545,436. Yeah, it's critic reviews. is It was 72% critic on Rotten Tomatoes with a 79% audience score. as has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb and Metacritic average is 68%. Chet, could you think of another movie with doubles? With doubles, that I was trying to think about that, Jamie. And this is easy. I, double impact. Double with impact with Jam. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh wait, they were. But twins. That was a, that, Never mind. That was yeah. That was you're you're crossing that with Time Cop. <laughs> oh, he, oh, there were doubles in Time Cop. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, what do you got? Uh, Let's start with Back James. to the Future had doubles. Okay, the, so which I'm, one had doubles? The, the second one, I think two did. Yeah, Marty's in the oh, Marty, yeah, yeah, old yeah, Marty, yeah, yeah. and young Marty, man. Yep, um, that's right. So I'm glad you did start with me because uh, my I did go down uh, like the trivia rabbit hole in IMDb, but but the trivia rabbit hole in IMDb for this movie is like five questions, and it was very to the point. Like, hey, it cost seven thousand dollars, so. Um, I didn't YouTube or really dive deep into the what the F was going on in this. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it because uh, I think like kind of like 12 Monkeys where we were going back and forth on what we think happened and like Jamie's mind, I think, got blown. This is one where I I don't feel like I understand fully what happened at the end. I think I have an idea. So um, things I liked about this movie was like uh, it definitely felt like it was $7,000 on a budget. Like you could tell by the costuming and the, um, the video style and the scenes and actors who are in it. So like for that, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It felt like very clerks in that sense. Um, yeah. So it felt indie and I enjoy those. I enjoy those movies and especially knowing it costs $7,000 as I'm watching the movie and kind of looking at the IMDb page. It just makes me more intrigued, like, holy cow, like, so how did this movie make this much money? And kudos for them. It makes you feel like, um, after watching a movie like this, it feels like, hey, maybe if, as long as you have a good idea. I mean, this movie was this movie was an episode of The Bad Batch. It was like 75 minutes long. Not even. Like, it was <laughs> it was just over an hour. And yeah. so it, may, it makes it feel like it's obtainable, like, with a good story. You'd be like, hey, it costs $7,000, and I think it's cost this guy three years to edit it together to score it himself with that piano riff that Chad hates. And, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like crushed it. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Good for, good for him for the story and the original thought behind it. But here's the things like where I'm lost and I might need some help on it is I don't know. Like they, I mean, they're in their garage and they're doing this uh, feels like, 
the how Macintosh was built uh, in their garage and like what they're doing in uh, something original, but I don't exactly know what they were trying to build in the first place. Uh, but then clearly they found, it looks like they, they built something to do one thing and it started doing this other thing like this, almost like uh, perpetual energy or whatever um, machine. And then it turned into something else. And then by the end of this movie, I started getting lost going, okay, because I didn't fully understand the math of you know, like how they kept on looking at their watches going, okay, if we do this right now, we'll have six hours, 13 hours to do it. Yeah, let's do it, man. It's gonna be a long day. And then they go, you know, about their day where they try not to run into their doubles. Um, but like at the, by the, by the end of the movie, I'm trying, I'm curious. I'm like, okay, so did we kill one of the originals or did, uh, do we have 10 of the originals running around now? Like I, that's the part where I'm, I got a little lost. Like did the originals brand, uh, did other clones decide to have free will and thought and know, cause they knew too much and started building their own machines. And that's where we got all effed up. Um, I don't know. So I, after that, I enjoyed it enough. I don't need to, this is like not one I need to purchase like other time machine movies. I'm usually all about, but I think maybe that might be just more of the special effects and guts and glamor that I love so much of them. Um, where this one was really basic and to the point, which was, but like was trying to have this really smart storyline, uh, in the same sense. I got lost, but I'm sure once I, if I watched it again, I would start to pick up on things that I kind of forgot about. So, um, and whoever wants to take over. Yeah. What'd you think, Casey? I think you seem pretty excited when I saw you earlier today to talk about this film. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked, uh, to talk about this one because I, I will tell you right now that I felt that exact way as James just described when I finished this film, I was like, hold on, wait, what the heck? Like, I didn't understand the, the mechanics behind it or anything. Um, Chad, you linked a, uh, a video in, in our group chat. It's uh, it's on YouTube. It's like primer and illustrated explanation. Um, and I actually had watched that one uh, after watching the movie. And, and after seeing that, like, I actually have a desire to go back and rewatch this because I like the way in which they kind of explain it. And, and once you kind of understand kind of the intricacies of how it works and what's going on. I think um, this is one of the most original time travel movies ever. And I think that's kind of why it has such a cult following because uh, this is just the, the concept of, of it's not time travel as much as you can establish a checkpoint. I think that's kind of how to explain what this movie's about. They, that no one has the ability to, to freely travel through time but what their box does is i guess i'll I'll explain a little bit to help to help james out and maybe anyone else in the pod uh, who's listening who didn't understand it um the the crew in the garage were trying to make a refrigerator um they were trying to cool that space more efficiently than another another competitor they had um either designs or diagrams they they talk about that in the beginning they're they're comparing notes to this other one they're like oh but they did this and that um, so they're kind of trying to rip off another refrigerator, but then make it better. And they do this uh, this thing with um, like magnetic waves and, and the the magnetic field inside the cooling to try to you know a- allow the temperature to lower. But what they end up doing is they end up creating this box that everything inside of it goes slightly quantum, I believe, because quantum has that whole concept of uh, on off and it's uh, yada yada. We don't need to talk about quantum, but essentially within the box. It, it like makes time behave differently and everything inside the box 
kind of goes backwards in time. So the way the time travel works is they turn the box on and they leave it there for however long they want to go back in time. And they, they, when they get back in the box in the future, they slowly go back in time. So they turn the box on, they go hide in a hotel room for six hours, then they go get in the box. So what that's going to do is they're going to pop out when they originally had turned the box on, if that makes sense. Once you're inside of it, they're going backwards in time. So that's why it gets really confusing because originally they try to to limit the amount of exposure they have in the real world when they're waiting because they, they're going to go about their day in those six hours. Um, once they go back, they're going to pretend that's the first time they were through it. So they don't want to see people, talk to people, have to explain why they were in one place at 2 a.m., or, you know, two in the afternoon, but another place miles away at two o five. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't allow doubles to be there. So that's why they hide in the hotel room. Um, but then after they hide in the hotel room for the amount of time they need to, they can like figure out what happened that day on the stock market, go get in the box, and start the day over. And they know what happened at the end of the day in the stock market. So then they can go make bets in the stock market, knowing the outcome. Yada yada yada. Um, but the the thing they and I guess the reason I like this movie, not to just keep rambling, is because I think it's actually pretty unique that they just throw you in and they don't explain any of it. They just they and in that YouTube video they talk about the cre- the director and creator um, and one of the stars. I don't know which one he is. I think Aaron, the like dark haired, yeah, yeah, the the dark haired guy, like specifically didn't want to dumb any of the dialogue down because that kind of gives you that same sense of confusion that they also had. They're playing with this thing. They don't really understand how it works. And they are creating these these scenarios where they don't even know who they're talking to. Am I talking to the real person that I was traveling with? Am I talking to you five days ago? Because um, once they uh, they ended up having this fail-safe box as well. They had two boxes this whole time. Um, Abe made a second box in case something went bad. Well, then Aaron found that, and again, they don't explain any of this, but then uh, Aaron also found the box. And so like they were both using this fail safe to go all the way back to the beginning and they created all these different loops over and over again. Um, anyways, I'll stop rambling. I think uh, I do agree with, with the criticisms. I think it was very low budget. Um, it doesn't hold up super well. Uh, because of that uh, low, kind of low budget feel, so the acting wasn't superb. Um, but I think its uniqueness and the way that it tells a story, I think gives. If I have to rank it out of five, Letterbox style, I think I'd still give it at least three. Um, because I, it's got me thinking about it days after. Right, I'm watching YouTube videos about it days after, looking it up days after. So anything that has that effect on me, I think is a, is a good enough piece of art that I think deserves some sort of uh, rating to to justify that despite the criticisms. Casey, thank that you. That was for, a great, uh, yeah, that was sorry, a great ahead, breakdown, <laughs> Casey. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thought I was rambling there <laughs> no, a little bit, but no, 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 no. that's good. Cast- I did say that they do try to explain the fail safe. I just don't think they a little bit. Yeah. It's do, hard to yeah. get though. Cause you're yeah. so confused about everything else at the same time. Yeah. I, th- that's where I think the movie, well, I think the movie comes off a little pretentious too, but absolutely. So before, I, but yeah, Jamie, your thoughts. You you just said so, you just, you put this in the chat. Primer, it's not my jam. So, Explain. 
<laughs> so a, a lot of I won't retread what James and Casey said because I that was my experience too. I don't understand this. I'm I'm kind of grasping at straws. I get some of it, but not all of it. And I think that um as far as an actual movie, like a capital M movie, sit down, I didn't enjoy this. Like, I did not have fun watching this. You know what I mean? There's not a lot as a film to latch on to, you know, visually and the way they shoot the scenes. I think there were two, with time travel movies, there's like the oh shit moments, you know, when Marty's picture starts to disappear or whatever, where you start to understand the rules. So the two moments for me is when Abe... And um, Aaron are sitting and Abe pulls out the binoculars and you first see Abe's double. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? You know? So you know that something's up, but they're not giving you the full picture. The second one is when um, Aaron gets a call from his wife and they're trying to figure out, wait, how do cell towers work? You know, because we're both in this space with this phone. And, you know, those are kind of the two mind-blowing moments where that make you drop your coke and say oh shit i never thought of that you know how, how does this work with these doubles in this space but um i think more than anything it was just um for me why it didn't click was was just the tone like i i appreciate the fact that they made this movie for seven grand and they don't dumb it down like props to you it's it's awesome and i think it's a really smart movie like i I've, I've done nothing but think about this movie since i finished watching it on wednesday but that didn't make it a movie that kind of that I enjoyed. Like, sh- like Shane Carruth and I would not hang out in the real world. Does that make sense? You know, like I, I respect the hell out of this movie, but it's not my style. We're not on the same wavelength. Like we don't see the world the same way. Do you guys yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. When you speak about tone, that's the that really got me. Like it just yeah. didn't have any. I say I'm the same with you. I thought like. The story and the idea and like the premise was really fucking cool, but it was like it didn't have any like like the oh shit moments were just like oh oh shit like but there wasn't a lot of like the emotion of watching this film. It was just kind of flatlined for me. Then on top with that that score, man, it was just killing me. <laughs> that piano and it was like it didn't feel like are they trying to make it feel like a dark film? It, but yeah, it, it felt that but, way. But with that score, it was like kind of dark. Then it also had like this little uplifting, you know, like you know, like where <laughs> it maybe should have just been like more like yeah, it should have been like more dissident or like minor, yeah. Then it had like yeah. So it's, yeah. it seems like I'm really I, sh- I should have looked this up. I should have looked up who actually did the score for this film because it's probably it like, Shane Carruth. Oh, so he. <laughs> Yeah, that's he what probably I mean. did he, it. Like he composed it, he directed okay. it, he chopped it up, put it together. Like, yeah, that's why I'm saying it was just like that's what I, it's, I I loved it. So I can't like really, I don't know, knock him for doing it. I mean, they did it himself. It's like, hey, I know how we can save 500 bucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, just gonna do some chords. Yeah, It'll see, I, our, I, I know, I know I'm pronouncing out. the dude's the director's last name wrong too. So it's Caruth. I think I said Caruth, like babe. Babe it, might, it might be. But, <laughs> I just, I, don't I just know. took a stab. Yeah. But Chad, to what you were saying, I think, I think what I felt was like, oh my God, they took the romance out of time travel. You know, like look at what we invented. Holy shit. You know, there was very little of that when all other time travel movies, they're kind of in awe of their creation. And I think that was his point. You know, I think that was his point is that these guys stumbled into it. They don't understand what they have. And like I, I really loved your point, Chad, that this is a horror movie because I agree. Mm-hmm. No, 
It definitely feels that way. And then also, I don't know, Jamie, you like, <laughs> they, they lost, they didn't have any ro- of the romance of it. No, I agree. But also, what were they going to do? Green, chroma key it and do a green ski and be like, hey, I'm in New York. <laughs> Let's go do a Broadway show. <laughs> like, hey, we, we made it. We're in Costa Rica. <laughs> we can go to the Broadway show, travel back in time, and then sell our tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like that would have been actually pretty good. Like, that's where they come up with like their first money making scheme is like, let's yeah. just do this where we're probably not gonna get in trouble. Oh, dude, it worked. <laughs> right. How much did you make? <laughs> I got arrested <laughs> for scalping. Uh, I don't know. It. Um. But one thing with this is like, okay, so it made it cost this much. It made a bunch of money. Like, is this so? Is this uh, highly seen as the like the best time travel movie. That's kind of why this movie got chosen for well, us, right? We had hold on. I want to stop you there. A lot of good things because okay. I th- I think we need to debate that because I I don't think this is a time travel movie. I don't think it can be compared to them, and I and I think that's kind of my thought is that this is a they don't time travel. They make a checkpoint. This is more like time manipulation. Well, they still go this back is, in time. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they can't go back in time. They can repeat things they've lived once they had this idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. they can't go to places they didn't think of this at. So I would say this is right. as much of a time travel movie as, like, Interstellar is a time travel movie because he shoots forward due to gravitational pulls, right? This is science that allows them to manipulate some moments of time, but it's not really time travel. So that's I think it's unfair to compare it to, like, a, a time travel movie and, and, and say... Because I agree, if you compare it that way, it absolutely takes the joy and the sparkle out of time travel because it's super sciencey and mundane and and really catastrophic. I want this to be your bit, Casey. I want this to be like like we're like, all right. So how does this go as far as um, you know romantic movies go? And you're like, well, Titanic is really more of like a like the. <laughs> I don't it's know, like the iceberg. It, yeah, it compares to Twister, and it, it has it's a like dark maritime yeah, film yep. that's uh, about the death of the ship. The people more really similar to U five seven one than yeah. uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. That's no, yeah. So no, I would like when that you're to talking be your Titanic, bit, right? It's not the tragedy is the ship. Nobody knows the people's names, but everyone knows the ship's name. <laughs> I just I feel like I have to defend it because I love time travel so much and weird science things. Yeah. So I feel like I have to play devil's advocate a bit because I, I I I agree with all you guys and I'm not going to stand this movie so much and say it's the greatest thing ever. I'm going to keep watching it over and over again because honestly I probably won't revisit it for quite some time. But I I do think uh, I got to stand it a bit because of how original and cool of a concept it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my original conversation was actually going to lean towards. So if this is considered the greatest movie in the genre or whatnot, like and that's why we picked it, right? It was highly mm-hmm, acclaimed. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. And, none, and none of us had seen it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of looking at the the writer-director, the the dark-haired guy in this. He's only made one other movie. Not, I mean, that's probably his prerogative. I don't know what his sitch is, but he only made one other one, and he wrote, produced, scored all that too. This one called Upstream Color in 2013. Otherwise, he hasn't done anything else, which is just kind of shocking to me. I felt like... After, I mean, I don't want to go Chris Nolan on it, but when Memento came out, or actually after following, and then he got a little bit more funding for Memento, then all of a sudden, boom, skyrocketed. And I'm sure Memento mm-hmm. probably cost a little bit, I mean, I think, what, $13,000, $15,000 um, instead of seven. But still, like, if this was such a like original idea, which it was, um, and 
so beloved or did it is it beloved because it's a cult classic but i think the money kind of speaks for itself even the opening weekend it made what was it 26 or 56 or something like that if i remember correctly um i don't know it's just confusing to me that like okay so what's going on with this guy or is he just like i only want to do my own thing which is good for him i just i'm more curious about the director in general i guess well (laughs) my opinion on that is is that he doesn't have he has a pretty basing off this film even though it has a cool premise and a very original, like, you know, script it, there's nothing artistic when it comes to like filmography or anything like that. There's not like, there's no interesting like camera shots. It's a pretty sloppy like film. And I'm, I'm not like a film expert either, but it just, I kind of based that on like how, when my eye doesn't catch these like weird things and I just felt like the entire film, my, it was just, I was being distracted by other things, you know, I just, so I didn't like the shots just didn't seem, I don't know. It just, it really did feel like, you know, a very low budget film and maybe he just, you know, versus like when you talk about following or memento, I mean, those mm-hmm. are again, you know, I don't think I don't like memento that much. It's a good film, but the, the filmography. I mean, there's so many other things about that versus just like the like, like cool story and original story to that too. Um, well, Chad, I think I could put your and my hands together on this. I'm looking at Shane's trivia on IMDb. It's got three. It's dreamed of being a doctor until he was in college. Holds a BS in math from Stephen F. Austin State University, and his Texas. favorite book is The Great okay. Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so but like so i think just reading that into your point of like yeah you're right it wasn't like beautifully shot or wasn't super creative in that aspect it was just a story so it, this kind of sounds like this was just something fun this guy and his friends were kind of doing i don't know they got that yeah. the blonde guy is an actor like he does other things at this point um but it's like at the end of the day it almost seems like if he finished the project or not, he like it, it took him three years to kind of do it. I think he probably put it in a shelved it, went about his day, and then mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, uh, you know, had the flu and kind of came back to it, or you know, got laid off and kind of came back to the project and finally put it together, and then it just kind of became this cult thing. So I don't know. It's true. Good, like good it on probably wasn't way. his. It probably wasn't his prime. Like being a like, movie maker, a filmmaker was probably not his like. Correct. Yeah, that's kind of what I took out of where yeah. Nolan's like, I'm I'm bleeding to make sure that the film is still red or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Whatever but. that means, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I have I have an uh, article from IndieWire where they ask him about. Um, he says you made some headlines last year by declaring that you were quitting filmmaking. Is that still the case? And he says the short answer is yes. I've got one last project in front of me. I shouldn't say anything about it. Uh, blah blah blah. I'm not going to say I'm doing a project and then hope Paramount gives me a deal or whatever the hell. I'm not doing that anymore. There's a thousand other things I'm interested in doing in life that I don't talk about. And it just sounds like he doesn't want to play the game, you know, with Hollywood worrying about financing. And he, I I think he wanted to make the projects he wanted to make. And that was that. That would be my guess anyway, based off of this article. That would make sense. Like, do you remember, um, what was his name? Was it Christopher McQuarrie who did, uh, Usual Suspects? Does that mean that's familiar? Let's just say it is. Um, 
I remember that like he did Usual Suspects. He won, yeah, Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, that's right. Um, he did Usual Suspects, and it won Best Screenplay, Original Screenplay at the Oscars. Like it crushed. Everybody was like, "Guys, there's Soze, yeah!" Like and just freaked <laughs> out. And uh, and like then he didn't do anything for a long time. The studios kept on bugging him, bugging him, bugging him. And finally, he said, "Fine, you want a movie? I'll write you a movie." And then he did Way of the Gun. Like he did Way of the Gun, and he did it like where it was just so out there and weird that they were like, "Hopefully they'll leave me alone." And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> like I don't know, but I love Way of the Gun. <laughs> I've never seen Way of the. Gun. He did uh, Edge of Tomorrow too. It looks like. Well, and then I think he must have gotten into Scientology because if you look, he's done lots of like he did the Mission Impossible screenplays and he directed the last one. Oh, like he's yeah. like uh, he's been all Tom Cruise in it up for a little bit. So oh, yeah. he's back in the game now. But I just remember in like the '90s or late '90s, early 2000s, he wanted he kind of wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, no, I you know I made money enough money on this. I'm doing my own thing, and he just I don't know wanted to write. I'm guessing, but didn't want all this pressure of the studios going. I want to spend this much money on you, but I need a film in <laughs> two years or whatever. You know? Yeah, it was like a five year gap between. When Usual Suspects and The Way of the Gun comes out, then another eight years after that, we get Valkyrie. Well, I guess yep, what? He's Tom, a writer. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise writer, yep. Mm. See? So I don't know if it's Scientology or not. Maybe they are just good friends. Good good for him. I love Tom. I do too. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. I've said it before. I think that man, yes, crazy, sure. But am I entertained by this man? Absolutely. <laughs> Every time, every time he's in a movie, I'm like, I don't care. Tom Cruise is in it. It's probably going to be good. 100%. So, not. I want to harken back a little bit. Do you think this story given to a, you know, better director, better filmmaking crew, do you think this story would have, You, I guess, could this have been better? If yeah. it was done better, would this have, like, popped off even more? That I was just going to say that. That's something I had been thinking about Casey. Like if yeah. you gave this to, I think Nolan, I get, yeah. Cause it, somebody that can, it's this story. Like it's the story itself is cool. You just need somebody with like a better vision of like how it should be kind of laid out and presented to make it actually feel cool and interesting versus just watching, you know, the tape, go from one reel to the other. That's, you know, kind of yep. how I felt yep. with it. Yep. Um, it goes like, um, we had mentioned it uh, just in chat before, but uh, that the director of Looper or whatnot sent this, sent the Looper script to this guy because he was such a fan of Primer. And uh, then the director of Shane or whatever came back at him and goes, your time travel's all wrong. <laughs> like, it's like, thanks. But, but I mean, so, but like, if I have to put like, hey, could you make my movie better? I bet that director could make his movie better because I visually love Looper. Um, and uh, I wasn't super, I don't know. I didn't deep dive into the time travel and if it should or shouldn't make sense at this point. I mean, I've seen the Avengers. They did it perfectly. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I feel like they could have, they could have done it better. Um, but if, what they were trying to do to like, I think Casey, your point earlier was just dive right in. Don't dump down the conversation and just accept that this is possible. And then I don't know, they did a good job. And then I don't, maybe I don't need to know more. And that's the whole point. Yeah. I want to loop yeah. back to that point that Casey had. And I think that I took this from Wikipedia and something I wanted to share from Reddit. I know, but it's actually really cool. So 
Carruth says he intended the central theme to be the breakdown of Abe and Aaron's relationship as a result of their inability to cope with the power afforded by this technological advancement. And I see that, and I think that's there. But I really loved um, what this said. This is uh, user ad sex <laughs> in the uh, primer subreddit. So he says, to me, the point of the movie is to question trust and commitment. As long as you keep a running connection towards the past, that is the fail-safe boxes, you actually keep a connection to the future. While this seems obvious once it's written, it's precisely what Aaron and Abe failed to understand. They saw it as a way for them to fix the past and ignored the fact that anything coming from the future might affect them. What reasons could they have to tell anyone else about it? What reasons could they have to come back and mess with things? These are actual dialogue in the movie. Commitment and trust have no predictive value. Commitment and trust can only be viewed as tokens of the past. With time travel, a breach in your friendship 20 years from now might result in you being killed right now. I just thought that was so cool. that That's cool. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I like that. Jamie, are you going to kill us? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I built a failsafe. <laughs> Perfect. Right, but I, I just think that's such a unique time travel concept, right? You just build this. You can only go back as far as you knew how to do it. And so, like, what yeah. is he in the, at the end? He's like building a warehouse size one of it, so what he can transport entire armies of people back and forth. Like, he's going to manipulate the entire world. Like, that's crazy. I know that struck me too. I was like, what would you do with a warehouse sized box? Yeah. Is it enough to like? play the market and, you know, make your millions. But no, I think he, I mean, clearly he had, and that's the other crazy stuff that happens too. Cause like by the end of the movie, they both had doubles because they had used the only time they would make a double is by using the fail safe. That's how I understand it. Right. Because all the other times they waited and traveled back and didn't overlap, but by using the fail safe, there's like mul that, that creates multiples. And then I'm fairly certain uh, when one of them did a failsafe, they like made more of them. Like they brought boxes back with them in the box to like assemble and create more. So I think at one point, uh, uh, what's his, not not Abe? Uh, shoot, I'm awful Aaron. with names. Yeah, at, at some point, Aaron I think had gone and done that because I think it's to insinuate he's on his like by the time the entire movie, he's probably like the third or fourth time he's gone back and he like has been recording all these conversations. So it's, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I was one. Okay. So that's the part I think initially that, um, I didn't fully understand Casey. I was like, I don't think I know how many doubles are on. I didn't know if right, the yep, doubles, yep. like, cause that, that's the, um, yeah. So like for when Jamie mentioned the cell phone thing and like, I agree, I, I was very much like, Oh wow. Cool. Like that is definitely something I was not thinking of. Um, but also then when the first time you get the glimpse of, wait, are there doubles? And they kind of, I feel like they hint or men mention it where, wait, are so now that they went back in time one time and they have the doubles exist, uh, like, cool, it worked. But then by the second time, like, can't the doubles, since they know what is happening, like, they're like, hey, there's two of us. I'll deviate from the plan. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're it not. It depends on the double, right? The original double that he hides in his attic is just original him who has no idea what time travel is. This dude is completely oblivious, right? Because this was before he, you know, ran into Abe on the bench and Abe told him what he'd done. So he's just oblivious, but you're right. I think if there's, and I think there's a scene there. He talks about, uh, he ran into one of his other box. I think the video is funny. The, the YouTube video, I recommend watching it at some point. They call them box aware 
you know, Abe's um, or whatever. Uh, uh, and I think at one point, a box aware, two, yeah, two box aware Aaron's <laughs> run into each other. And he even says like, I tried to fight him, but by then I had traveled so much that I was weary. So we like talked it out and they like the, the, the younger, less time traveled Aaron, like the first box, the most early box aware Aaron, I guess must've realized like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go live my own life. So you don't kill me. Cause you're clearly like eight iterations down the line and way into this. And I don't want to go be that. So bye. So like there's, I think there's probably three or four errands in the world at, at this, at that point in time towards the end of the film. I went into this pod thinking that I'm going to need a lot of help. Just trying to get little facts and details of this movie. Cause this is the part I still get confused when you, explain it i try to watch in that youtube video too and then and i was like I oh yeah and i think well in the youtube and, and it actually gets back to the fact that it is such a short film i think you're meant to watch it like four times to really get it yeah because it's short i think you're supposed to eat it over and over because every yeah. time you watch it like once once you realize that uh he it's the same one on the bench and he isn't watching ncaa he's actually listening to that same conversation to know what he had said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Once you, once that clicks, you're like, Oh shoot, I want to go watch that again now with that knowledge. And like, you slowly start to be able to go backwards and pick it up and pick to put together the pieces. That's yeah, one I of did. the coolest things to think about is yeah. technically from that bench scene on, like you have no idea which Aaron you're actually dealing with. Right. Period. Yeah. I did catch on to that. I, watched it a second time today so that's where i because after the first time i had absolutely no fucking clue like (laughs) what was going on i was just lost but i just powered through it (laughs) yeah and i hope that um well not hoped i knew casey was gonna deep dive into youtube so i was just gonna wait to have this conversation and then yeah i'll watch that clip you're talking about so i can go Oh, <laughs> I think, did you say that was the same one that I shared in the podcast? The one chat? you posted in the chat is the one I watched. It's okay. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and for anyone listening, if you really want to get it, it's uh, on YouTube. Just search Primer Illustrated Explanation. Um, and, I, and honestly, I think I stumbled upon this YouTube video um, just on Reddit years ago even and thought, oh, yeah, I should watch that once I actually watch Primer. So I think this is like the de facto Oh, are you confused? Come watch this. We'll explain it. Yeah, they do a pretty good job in it, but I failed to watch it all because I just <laughs> I don't know, anything with the, with this movie. I feel like when I started watching, I started getting a headache. So did your ears yeah, start stop. bleeding? Stop watching things <laughs> on your phone. No. <laughs> James, what's the most offensive movie to you that you could watch on your phone? Tenet. No, I'm just kidding. I, well, actually, uh, yeah, I would say Interstellar. Like, there's no way you would be able... I feel like you can't watch it on your phone or like, you'd miss something. I feel like the movie is too big. I watched it on my phone. I gotta hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but are subsequent rewatches We're, on a phone okay once you've seen it, like, on a big yeah, TV or something and yeah, appreciated it? That's fine. That's how I wrap my head around Chad. Like, I'm assuming Chad watched this on a normal screen, and then when he tells us, I watched it for a second time today, I assume that's on his phone. Um. And then, Jamie, were you expecting me to say Casablanca? <laughs> no, I was, I, I was expecting Nolan. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I think Interstellar. I think Inception. I don't know. Like, just these movies that were created for IMAX viewing. Dark Knight. Like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. They're all Nolan. But, like, all these IMAX viewed, viewing uh, 
anticipated movies where it's like, how are you watching this on your phone? Cause they, even the storylines are bigger are supposed to be bigger than life. And God, it's just watching it on your phone. I just don't under, I feel like you'd miss so much, even though that's probably not totally true, <laughs> but the I feel about like you watching would. on the phone though, is that your screen is so crisp. <laughs> like, so but that's true. Feel- my phone is probably better quality than my TV. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> No, I you mean, need a really big phone now. If this is what, yeah. if this is your life now, most of your consumption is going to be on your phone. You probably just got to get one of those XL size phones, right? No. Like mini tablets, phablet in your pocket. I would actually, I would actually downsize my phone when I need to get a new phone. Not to uh, change the subject because I did, I did just get a new phone because my old one pooped out on me, yeah. and I just ordered one willy nilly because I needed one. You know, you, your life sucks without a working phone. So I just ordered one that I knew I think I'd like because I'm an Android guy. And it's smaller than my old one. And I'm actually kind of happy with it. I'm glad I, I went a little bit smaller. So there you go. There's your anecdotal evidence that, yeah, don't go bigger unless you really want to. Unless you want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Do you, um, do we exhaust our conversation? Wait, there were some questions here in the chat that I wanted to go over did you put these in jamie was this you yeah i think that was me yeah i said it's like a dark hallmark movie (laughs) but um so so can you who are who are our who are our ambassadors of science and should it be their job to help us understand what they are saying can you expound on that yeah, so I put that in the chat because, as I said, this movie was equal parts fascinating and frustrating because they didn't dumb it down. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have to, but I'm saying somebody should. You know, and for for me, I remember in high school, I sucked at physics. Like, in high school and college, I had to cheat off of my friends, like, shamelessly, which sucked because I loved physics. I loved it. it I loved expanding my mind into everything it was trying to teach me, but I just didn't understand it. And I felt that in all of my academia, my physics teachers were the worst teachers. They may have been the most brilliant minds, but whatever that teaching gene is, they just didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So it made me think of like like our Neil deGrasse Tysons, our Carl Sagans, who can actually teach science and make it digestible and approachable. You know, I, I just, it made me really appreciate those people and how valuable that skill is. But yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, like, sh- should it be their job to teach us and to dumb it down or should I just read more? <laughs> in the in the context of a film? I, I guess like, it's just a broad question. Because that's, it, right, I think that's a, that's a double question, right? I think if you're talking about the broad, you know, the question, uh, you know, implications of it. That's a whole other thing. But I, I actually, I'm going to stand the film a little bit more. I think the the fact that they don't explain it and you're confused was by design. I think the unease that you felt and the confusion you had was all on purpose. Yeah, and that's I, again this that that feeds to why I rated it higher than. It's not a movie that I loved, right? I didn't. I, I probably won't watch it again. But I think, as a standalone, in a vacuum work of art, I think it was. It's one of a kind. It's unique, and it like thinking about all the ways that like it affected us, albeit negatively, it affected us. And I and, and isn't that what art, I guess, is supposed to do? So I'm gonna keep standing up for it because I think all of our criticisms actually are compliments to how it 
invoked the responses that it wanted to invoke. Yeah, I mean, pro art. Yeah, this is yeah. this is where I like. I love art, and I fucking sometimes I can't stand the artist. Same, or, same. But I that's 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 great. Um, but I think again, it's like the pretentiousness of it. Like, well, we didn't want to dumb it down for. Okay, that's like I'm out, dude. Okay, whatever. That's how you're gonna explain it. Whatever, like. If that's how you want to go ahead with your film, your project, like your piece of art, that's fine. But when people come back at you and say that it's hard to understand, like, I mean, for me, like, I needed a, I need that YouTube video. I need somebody else to understand it for me. So I guess somebody figured it out. I just wasn't smart enough, or they watched now, it more than me. As but, the one that just stood up for it, I agree with all of that, dude. Yeah, I agree. It's it's yeah. super pretentious. Um, but I just yeah. I mean, that's why the dude probably didn't continue making movies because he is, he just wanted to do it for the sake of the art of creating this thing. And he did, I think what he wanted and he was like, all right, well, that's it. Yeah. That's where I'm, that's where I'm with Jamie. It's like, I didn't enjoy watching it, but I think it's something that I would recommend somebody to watch if you're into like time travel. It's, Even though I, you I say gonna, it's not a time travel movie, it's not, but I agree. Right. I know, I know. No, no, when, you're right. When you're right. manipulating, <laughs> you're manipulating up, time. <laughs> I was going to no say though, capacitor. <laughs> I, I was going to say I think it's similar to me with like Requiem for a Dream. Like I will n- almost, I will probably never watch that movie again. Right. Nope. Right. But holy cow, did it like evoke feelings yep. and emotions and thoughts so i guess i would put it on that pedestal that and uh the movie pie i don't know if you've seen the movie pie yeah, yeah i love Same that was also confusing yeah. yeah you're right very uh confusing weird dark i don't think i need to see it again but wow was it like did it do something like did mm-hmm. it move me in a way so i'm gonna put it in that realm but i agree I, I i didn't love it i didn't like watching it um particularly but i think uh yeah it's impressive Man, we're gonna have to do Requiem for a Dream on here when we want to bite the bullet. Oh no! <laughs> like, I know, but like, yeah. So hold on, oh. Casey and I have seen it. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, I haven't. I've well, avoided it for that exact reason. James. Yeah, you're too pure. You're too pure, Jamie. It's fine. <laughs> and then, uh, Jamie, to piggyback <laughs> off your science question, um, I kind of so. I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying, but I like um, a little bit of context behind the science, just because then I can. I feel like I can enjoy the movie better. So in um, like in interstellar, I think Chris said it on the interstellar pod one time that when he flipped the board around and tries to explain how a wormhole works and it's like, you know, pushes the pencil through the piece of paper on the other side and then uh, unfolds the piece of paper. I think they did that in event horizon too. Like, I think that's how I learned how a black hole works. Um, but that's the thing is I'm getting that piece of knowledge. I'm like, Oh, it, they dumb it down in this basic way. And it usually hopefully takes 30 seconds. And then I'm like, I'm more on board to pay attention to the storyline with better knowledge. Like Casey, until you told me exactly what was happening in the box and like, I kind of got it in there, but then I started questioning myself. And then, so if I would have had that explanation, some just slightly better, I feel like I'd been like, okay, wait now, which, which Abe is that? That's only one Abe. That's Abe one. Okay. I would have started counting the errands, but I guess that's part of the fun in the movie is you are getting shocked and surprised, but I don't know. I feel like a little small explanation of the science um, would have been helpful. Yeah, just enough. Like, like you're ex- like I would even say the the demonstration of how to explain a black hole. Like, 
isn't really dumbing it down. You don't need to really know all the other science behind it. If that's like a way to like visualize it, I, I think that's just kind of like a creative way to, you know, tell somebody or explain something to somebody to something that's really complex and like, you know, without having to do with all the details, details behind it. But yeah, I'm with you there. Um, James, I think if, if that's the route that this film wanted to go, um, I think if, if I were doing it, cause I'm an awesome filmmaker, right. And screenwriter, scriptwriter, <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, I think I would at least give some sort of, and they tried a little bit when they're talking about like the loop, like when it rebounds back or whatever, but it, yeah, it's not. But I found I got confused about even non-time travel plot points from time to time. Like, who is the who is this boyfriend with a shotgun? Like, who is going to a party? What are you talking about? So, yeah, I think yeah. those are all valid <laughs> bits of yeah. criticism. Yes. I think I think you look at Interstellar, which is a three-hour movie, which has the exposition needed, and then you look at this, which is an hour. And I think, I guess, as a filmmaker, you have a choice: do I expose, do I give it as exposition and make my movie longer or not? And I think. Again, I think they chose to do it that way, but I think it kind of proves that maybe the the time and the exposition is worth right. it for a, me, a dum dum who doesn't know what's going on. Is that where and, like Primer feels like a three hour movie? Yeah, we're in it, but it was really short. <laughs> so right? true. The closest good, they get. That's a good way to say it. No, that's so true. I was clock checking for most of this movie, and I was like, "Fuck, we're only forty five minutes in." Right. But, I think the closest they get is when they're talking to that um, lab tech and they're describing the proteins and how mm-hmm. the proteins accumulate. And yeah, I mean, like you guys just said it. It's like, okay, that tells us that they created a time machine and it's accumulating proteins quicker than it normally would. How unsexy and unshiny and undelorian is that? But actually, I want to jump on that because that might have been part of my favorite part of the movie was they he does all that. And here I am set up to think, oh, OK, so he's going to say this box can can make things travel in time. Whoop do do. And then he does the whole look there I am. And I, and I know we talked about that being one of the cool moments, but I thought that was great because that was a super bait and switch to me. I thought they were just going to keep looking at the stupid egg. And then he goes, psych, I got in a box and traveled back in time. <laughs> so I thought that was a really cool like reveal to kind of show how, it, right? I thought that was really cool. And, and I think they kind of maybe dropped the ball on explaining things for the rest of the film because you're right, I kind of knew what they were talking about kind of like, oh, you're, you, these proteins happened, which means... Time was different in the box. Cool, you explained that. Oh, shit, there he is. But then from then on, it felt like they just tried to confuse more than explain. You mean like how I was wondering how they were getting out of the box without goo on them? That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. I thought, that's what this, I thought that's what the whole explanation right, of the proteins was. Going. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> so. Is that why his ear was bleeding? They were like getting some kind of fungal infection there in the brain, maybe. and like those. Oh, impact. maybe. I don't know. That's I don't what know. She, I'm just Shane's listening to our podcast right now, just screaming. He's like, "You didn't talk about the proteins. The <laughs> proteins were the whole. They were the, the heart of this movie. Explains everything." <laughs> Anything else? Anything else for Prime? Or should we? Are we ready to get into our movie scripts? Oh, gonna, yeah, I think gonna, so. Okay. I th- Again, I think James should go last because he put a lot of time into his and it sounds pretty epic. 
So who wants the phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you put in all this time, five minutes before bed, you stuff. Uh, well, I'm just saying, Shane, if you're listening, <laughs> batter up. <laughs> I've just been torching your movie for the last hour, and now it's like, I have some right. gold here. Right, no, you just get to shred somebody's, like, like art. <laughs> like, you fucking so excited for our listeners to shred to my art. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, but... uh. So, Chad, you said you didn't come up with anything, um, or no, you said you did. No, I, I did. Well, Chad, you start us up. Just I'll start, start it. I'll start us. Yeah. So, I couldn't think of like a full script, um, but I did say, well, I don't really have them, but I want to share an idea that I had for like something that would be like a Twilight Zone Black Mirror episode that would be kind of like comedy too, so not like dark. But um, yeah, I was trying to think when it comes to time travel, I was trying to think of like, how would you script like a time travel film, but not tell it from the point of view of like the people that are traveling in time, but like the impact of the people. Um, like not from the people like that are time traveling, if that makes sense. So it'd be like all of a sudden, like a person wakes up and something is completely different because somebody had fucked with time or that's where my mind was going. I couldn't really think it, think anything through on that, or so. So yeah, your so protagonist would be Crispin Glover, George McFly, not Marty. Yes, thank you. Yeah, like, but like, so in your in I know you're. This is just your rough idea, but would you have Crispin Glover then know that time travel is potentially happening around him? Like, where all of a sudden he's like holy shit my wife is thin <laughs> this right. is amazing who just like who do i have to thank is it, hey marty thanks buddy <laughs> like right. well, were you, like, or does he you not know what's happening <laughs> well you kind of somehow you slowly start to inform your protagonist protagonist that's that this is happening um but or, yeah, or I yeah, or I was gonna say, or is it from the viewer's perspective? Is it's a Black Mirror episode? Things are changing in the episode, but for to this character, but we don't understand what's happening, and then we find out that it's because his best friend has been time traveling and just fucking things up. Yeah, that would be cool. Or actually, in the end, you find out that your main character has been time traveling, but has been fucking with himself. I don't know. Anyway, or it's double. I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> But I did have, uh, this was like a pandemic inspired idea for like a Twilight Zone, Black Mirror-esque kind of like, like, like a 15 minute, like kind of short, but it was like from sitting on all these like Zoom calls, you know, with work and like, you just see like people in like these, maybe it's like their wall, like maybe they're in the corner of their room, looks like maybe they're in their bedroom. And then, um, we had like conversations once at work about like, Oh yeah, if you need to go into the office, um, just email whatever the director and like get like, um, you know, just so I could tell security, then you can come down to the building or whatever and get in. Then I imagine like, Oh yeah. What if like I actually went to headquarters and I go to my old desk and all of a sudden I see everybody still at work. <laughs> like if I show up without getting like, um, like notifying security and like I walk in or like the, the character in this story walks in and all of a sudden, like I see one of my coworkers, <laughs> which looks like their desk. Now their cube has been like made to look like 
like a room and there's like it looks like there's like a kitchen or something like that or like a matte painting of something where it's like um, a bedroom or like i don't know are you picking up on this or not does this not sound stupid and silly i lost you a long time ago okay <laughs> dude you just, it. <laughs> you just spooked me though like if, if i were to go into the office right now and yeah they were like what where were you like we've right. been here the whole time <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> anyhow Let's uh, Jamie, did you come up with anything? So I, this is a perfect place for me to go right in the middle because mine is really dumb. I don't have a good idea, but I was <laughs> thinking that you, what's a subgenre with time travel that we haven't had yet? Sports. So we could do a sports movie. And then I was thinking about the movie Time Machine, not the original, but the Guy Pierce remake. And one of oh, like yeah. the tragically, comically hilarious locks are so bad otherwise the, be a lot of so bad when she gets run over by like the horse carriage yes <laughs> yeah ah! <laughs> yes well and that's what spurred my idea is like the idea of that movie is like no matter how many times his wife is gonna die so she just like gets killed in like these three or four ridiculous ways and i was like what if you took a red Sox fan pre-2004 and just or no, a Red Sox player. Like, what if you took Bill Buckner and took him back to the what was that, the '86? Oh yeah, playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and just made Bill Buckner relive that. He, but he was like, okay, I know what happens. I know where that ball is going. So he fields it, but then you know they lose an in extra innings anyway. Like, what if they keep going back, right. and then that <laughs> Red Sox player or fan realizes actually like they're in hell. You know. That that was that, that was it. It's, I like that horror movie stuff. I would like that as the reveal, right? That oh no, you're not traveling time. Right. You're just in an infinite loop of hell, Groundhog's Day on acid. When exactly. you first when you first said sports, so I was like, oh, this would be like a great story for like a Vikings fan. Yeah, perfect. Example. Isn't it what we live every day, every year? Right, Are we living it already. Minnesota sports hell. Like every every time, it's like wide left, wide left, wide left. Oh my heart. <laughs> Or twelve men in a huddle. <laughs> Criminy. Uh, right, so I'm going to take really a, a, a yeah, Casey. Yeah, I'm going to take a turn. No, it's not a save, but it's going to take a turn. I, my idea, it's going to get real silly, real weird up in here. Uh, I want a a Pineapple Express type stoner movie where yeah. main character, you know, goes to buy some pot something goes wrong like he gets robbed by his drug dealer or something you know something to that effect like the dude maybe he's visiting a new drug dealer the dude robs him he's pissed he's mad about it it's like the next day and he just runs into someone who's like hey i know how to travel back in time and for some reason (laughs) this dude's like i'm gonna go back and fix that problem so he goes back in time right here's and this is the premise of the movie goes back in time puts on a disguise thinking well i don't want my past me to see me Goes in, whole situation goes awry, and he tries to explain his way out, saying, no, I'm him from the future. And so the drug dealer, being a sadistic son of a bitch, is like, oh, if that's you, then if I cut his dick off, you'll lose your dick too. And so he does it, and it happens. And the rest of the movie is the two dickless dudes trying to go back one more step so they can stop themselves from losing their dick. I'm in. <laughs> when you okay, when, when you said time travel and something that was like a pineapple express movie, the first thing that came to my mind was was that yeah, where you smoke the weed and the weed <laughs> takes you back in time. Yes. Oh yeah, and like it takes you back in time, 
But then when you start coming down, right? Then you start you going go back. back to, yeah. <laughs> and you're too like stoned back in time to actually do anything. There you go, Chad. You should have come up with that one. That's right. a brilliant <laughs> idea as well. You know, really, my main goal in like doing these is that I think we should all like come together and actually write a script and try to sell it. <laughs> uh, well, as long as we can get Seth Rogen to read these, uh, the the time traveling dickless dudes yeah. or the oh, the yeah. smoking a joint back into time. As long as you like those treatments, you would need to get like who like the next like uh, oh, Seth. The Rogen movie could is. be called Time Dick. And it could be like Private Eye. <laughs> Like, right? But it's actually about a penis. Yes. I feel like you guys aren't wrong in the sense that, like, this is exactly how Seth writes movies. (laughs) Yup. Like, that's probably how, this is exactly how Kevin Smith writes movies. (laughs) Like, like with, like, what was it? Moose Hunter or whatever those movies were called. The Canadian Uh, ones. Yoga Hosers. (laughs) Yoga Hosers. So needless to say, my time travel movie falls in the like Back to the Future style of time travel where you can affect the future by going in the past. So it, it falls in that vein of time travel. Cool. Clearly, like right? Not like uh, Avengers, you know, you go back in time, make a new timeline, split timelines, you know, because then, you know, old dude would get his dick cut off and nothing would happen. End of movie, you know. <laughs> That's boring. Yeah, so yours is more like butterfly effect style. Like you're trying to get yes. to one more step previous, and then all of a sudden exactly. more chaos ensues. Now their asses are sewn shut, and they have scarred Almost. over. Oh, God! Exactly. Wait, <laughs> wait. Is this another centipede movie, too, then? Is I was going to say, it sounds too into? centipede for me. I'm out. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. I've never watched those movies. I've just heard rumors. Yeah, same here. They're not fun. <laughs> but if you want to watch Rookin' for a Dream, we're all in. Just kidding. All right. The grand finale. Oh, my God. I hate this buildup. It sucks so bad. Okay. <laughs> so, like I said, um, so if you guys want, if you scroll to the bottom the page, I just copied and pasted it. Uh, so if it's easier to follow that way um, or because there is a little bit going on, if you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good idea. Okay. So, anyways, I'll preface with, yeah, it was like five minutes before bed every night. Uh, I think I started last Saturday, maybe during coffee. That's why the first line of it is, the only way to accept someone is casually in a relaxed and formal way or on a plane. Because I thought it was funny to me at the time. And then I'm like, okay, I'm leaving everything on the table. I'll correct a few things here and there and try to make it make sense. But I don't know. At the end of this, you're going to have to tell me if it either made sense, you understood, or if it is even linear. Because I am not positive on any of those things. Um, So... Because, yeah, I started just throwing ideas in there. Anyways, I'll go for it. Here we go. Hypnagogia is uh, is the experience of uh, the transitional state between wakefulness and sleep in humans. The hypnagogiac state of consciousness during the onset of sleep. Mental phenomena that occurs during this threshold consciousness phase includes lucid thought, lucid dreaming, hallucinations, and sleep paralysis. Prologue. The only way to incept someone is casually in a relaxed, informal way or on a plane. You know when you start singing a random song and stop uh, to ask yourself, where did that come from? Why the hell is that in my head? Then later come to realize it's playing faintly in the background. This is the only way inception can work. Only we're not trying to implant an idea in someone else's mind. Like in the, the movie, I am trying to implant knowledge into my subconscious to use in the future. So I just, in some chapters, I just did the beginning. And each chapter starts with a, some sort of uh, quote. So beginning, there are children playing in the streets who could uh, solve some of my top problems in physics because they have modes of sensory perception that I lost long ago. J. Robert Oppenheimer. 
Um, the guy who did, you know, the H bomb. Yeah, is he not to interrupt? But no, go for it, please do. (laughs) I think what I think it was Oppenheimer. The thing that triggered his thought to actually find out, like, oh, that's what we need to trigger, like the atom bomb, was is that he was like standing in line, or not standing in line, standing and like waiting for a traffic light to turn, and he was just like just seeing like the light change from like red you know, or whatever red yellow green like that was like the moment just staring at that traffic light that triggered like oh that's that that's the switch to like an, the trigger like the nuclear bomb or whatever but anyway <laughs> i always love that story okay. that's I awesome what, i never yeah. heard that story so that's awesome uh it takes a lot of energy to move something small through space and time uh, we started our work in Iceland and harnessed the sun's energy with the Earth's, uh, using geothermal and hydroelectric power, as well as solar wind satellites. Uh, we could create the perfect storm of positive charged deuterons and negatively charged antiprotons to create energy clusters in the form of helium. Uh, this process was created because helium-3 is rare to find on Earth, and the world's governments frowned upon us drilling on the moon for it. Something about harvesting the moon could be catastrophic; could have catastrophic repercussions. If you guys haven't figured it out, I just took like bits of all of the things we always talk or had talked about on the podcast. <laughs> um, anyways, okay, so uh, when we were on the brink of draining the uh, draining the world of uh, known oil reserves, uranium became legal for less than a year, encouraging colleges and outside resources to use it for energy projects that would then be purchased by the government. Uh, but instead, it was used by people with carnival meth lab ideals. Uh, more people were getting hurt than saved. Fortunately for me, being forced to create clean energy technology to save the world meant government contracts. One, go- one contract had something interesti- interesting to offer uh, beyond the money I no longer needed. Uh, this offer gave me purpose, uh, something bigger than myself. I've created a power source needed, the power source needed to charge what would be called the event. All right, the story. Uh, why sometimes I believed in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. I can't go back to yesterday because I was a different person then. Lewis Carroll, the writer of uh, Alice in Wonderland yeah. and Through the Love Looking that. Glass. Jabberwocky. You got it, dude. All right, I was told by, uh, I was, I told my mother, I was told my mother uh, imagined me as a baby elephant growing inside her when she was pregnant. My grandmother said I was much larger than, average and elephant calves uh, are usually born at about 250 pounds and three feet tall uh they are pretty clumsy for about three months after uh, they are born and have hardly any control of their trunks which is why they often trip over them this silly image helped my mother cope with the discomfort i was causing her during causing during her pregnancy as cute as my family thought it this was it, it was hard uh, receiving stuffed animals in storybooks involving an animal that had become a symbol of how my mother saw me when all I could see was a reminder that she died giving birth to me. My father was the one who helped me get past this feeling sorry for myself to have a utilitarian outlook that I should only control what I can control and now that I'm here I should focus my energy on the happiness of the greatest number of people. Uh, I eventually was able to take that symbol I didn't ask for and make it a, the symbol I needed as a daily reminder. As they grow up, to, as they grow up, the working elephant memorizes large number uh, memorizes a large number of commands and recognizes many other animals and people, thus remembering both kindness and injuries. Since the since its lifespan is fifty to sixty years, this memory these memories are long lived. 
I didn't know it then, but this was the start of my training. I read, I read this story about a two-year-old named uh, Lee from the Midwest insisting that his mommy wasn't his mommy, that he had another house somewhere uh, and uh, another mommy. By the age three, he was able to articulate his real birth date, June 26th, from, his, from the one given by his birth parents, June 21st, uh, that his middle name was Ko and he wrote movies for a living. His sister asked how old he was when he died, and he promptly replied, 48. Uh, Lee's curious parents uh, relayed uh, the titles of several movies uh, to Lee, asking if he had written them. Uh, when they mentioned Gone with the Wind, Lee became enthusiastic. He eagerly claimed that he wrote the film. A quick, a quick Google search, Lee's parents learned that the writer of Gone with the Wind's name was Sidney Co. Howard. Howard was born on June 26, had a daughter named Jennifer, and passed away at 48. As these details in Ko's life were unknown, Lee's parents, uh, unknown to Lee's parents, it's unclear how he knew them. This leaves reincarnation as a possible explanation. The event uh, that I agreed to participate in and my technology with power is to successfully pre-incarnate. The only way to do this uh, without hurting anyone is for a person to travel back in time to a younger version of themselves. After conditioning the mind, uh, the theory would be that one could uh, hijack the path of one's destiny that was originally given as the soul taking over would be wiser and more knowledgeable about what is to come. The brain wouldn't be as developed and would lose a lot. You'd lose a lot in the transfer, uh, but your mind and muscle memory should be fairly intact and in time will adapt to itself to choose the right decision not taking not taken the first time. Uh, this is how we would change the past. As the team of doctors and scientists are getting me ready to getting me ready for the jump, they don't seem to be paying any attention to me. They are very focused on what they are doing, but giving uh, giving me very little eye contact with no small talk and, or any real connection. They are, however, talking amongst themselves. When I was eavesdropping, I heard a few of the men in white talk about another person participating in the event. Someone named Samad Artisan. Uh, Artson. Uh, I didn't know how uh, Samad was. Uh, I didn't know who Samad was uh, or why they were chosen for this project. And not only did I create the technology to make this possible, but my photographic memory also makes me a prime candidate for this task. It sounded like uh, Samad uh, suffered from severe gout, which uh, had developed into edema. Uh, that doesn't sound right. They're messing with me. I, I had been uh, on a strict diet and under a microscope like Mercury 7 style. Uh, did they say 16th century? That can't be right. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Uh, Maya Angelou. Uh, the gravity is punishing. Going faster and faster as I reached zero, the zero horizon, I can't help but think uh, this is what uh, people will see before they die. Um, ahead is the remnants of light that cannot escape what we've created. A submissive black hole, quantum vortex, time machine. In the end, uh, this will only have a name and a, a name for a series of moments, moments that will be ripped away until the moment they are remembered again. Closer to the light now, I must be close. For some reason, I'm reminded of when I was a kid. I was so fascinated with time travel, dark matter, and simulation theory. I, w I remember asking my dad if people are watching us through <laughs> from a screen. <laughs> <laughs> my father was dumbfounded by uh, dumbfounded then yet i have been monitored from a screen for the last two years preparing for this event uh i guess one time i asked how do we know that we're conscious and not living in a never-ending hallucination how can i even be sure you're my father or that 
I'm even speaking to you and not sitting in an empty room drooling and talking to myself. My father used to entertain these ideas and questions. He would say a quote from one of his favorite books uh, to say goodnight after one of my brain's tired, lucid conversations. You know that place between sleep and awake, that place where you can still remember dreaming? That's where I will always love you. That's where I'll be waiting. He was good like that. The light is getting brighter and brighter. Uh, my body is feeling more sore and claustrophobic as uh, the gravity is push and pulling on me. I must be close. It feels like I'm going down the hill of a tall roller coaster uh, fast with the pins and needles in to pins and needles feelings uh, that you your arms and legs get uh, when they are asleep. Suddenly a blinding flash. It's hard to see right away. When my eyes pull focus, I can see the men in white again. Something must have gone wrong. Did they abort? What happened? Everything seems like uh, it was going well. I feel nauseous, uh, but that must be normal. The doctors are running around frantically, so something must have happened. I try to look around the room, uh, but I can't move my neck. Now the doctors are now the doctors are paying attention to me, uh, giving me the old uh, flashlight in the eye, snap of the fingers in my ear physical. I can hear the doctors working on someone behind me. I wonder if something happened to Samad, and they are, had to pull... Uh, and they had to pull us both out. I am startled uh, by uh, I am startled by a powerful jolt, followed by weightlessness. I don't understand what is happening at this moment. I close my eyes to help with the motion sickness while I'm getting tossed around. The movement uh, the movement has changed. My body feels tight, uh, but I am feeling calmer and a little tired. The nausea has passed, and I open my eyes. I can see the doctors working on someone. There is a lot of blood everywhere. Samada appears to be a woman. I'd never seen medical equipment in this room before. They must have brought it in during complications. Uh, Samad looks familiar. Why do I know her? Uh, why do I still not have any control of my body? My body is uh, repositioned one more time uh, without uh, my assistance. This time, uh, my head was facing up. At first, my at first, all my eye eyes could see was a silhouette in front of me with some blinding fluorescent lights. Uh, once my eyes adjusted, I could see who was in front of me. I tried to speak, but nothing came out. I tried shouting, but I could, but he couldn't hear me. Finally, I cried, dad, question mark, uh, but, or dad, uh, but all he could hear was a high pitched cry epilogue, uh, because his brain isn't still, isn't fully developed as an infant. He will not be able to understand what he was sent back to do and is confused missing it. And missing his time, uh, time stop has ultimately led him to not change uh, to not change the past, but potentially caught himself in a time loop. Un uh, unless inception is possible, too bad he wasn't traveling on a plane. Done, dude. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it kind of, as you can tell, goes all over the place, and I yeah. So you talk amongst yourselves or ask questions, and then I can answer where I thought I was going <laughs> or did it, any of it make sense? <laughs> I mean, you did it. Chad gave us homework and you actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my wife made a lot of fun of me for this. She's like, Ooh, so she hasn't even, yeah, yeah. I, you guys were the first ones to actually hear it or see it. So that so, was fantastic. So he's there's like trapped in like a memory loop then like essentially. So or, I think where I was trying to go with this idea was that um, like instead of having doubles, somehow they figured out time travel in the sense that they can go back in time to a certain memory. So I was trying like uh, things that I didn't choose to keep writing and just left it alone was 
I feel like I was trying to connect it where when they were having lucid dreams, like when he was having lucid dreams as a kid, or mm-hmm. if he remembers getting heard those stories, like those were actually like the dreams of like, are people watching me? Like that's where he was actually having like flashbacks of like what had already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, the idea that when also um, from the beginning to the end, when he was traveling in time or traveling back, like he missed his time stop and therefore he ended up at his birth. So what he thought was him going in like some sort of time travel, like black hole style situation, or like it, it's like, this is what dying must feel like. I'm heading towards this light. It's actually, no, he's heading towards the light of being born. Born. Yeah. And then in turn being in this ultimate time loop where like, could he lose could he not remember everything that was going on or what he was going to eventually do, which who knows what that was um, in the future to change things. Like, is it too far back where like now he's just going to grow up the exact same way. He was already looking at um, his mother um, dying once again during birth, uh, the birth of him. And it's just going to be this ultimate, like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I'll still create this awesome clean energy situation, but then I'm going to be all excited about this time travel and I will miss my loop and keep doing this over and over and over again. Or will he, he somehow um, muscle memory or change things uh, based on just having those flashbacks or thoughts during um, dreams or whatnot. Cool. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> and so, and then I was trying to do with the pre, Oh, and then I was trying to do with the pre-incarnation or whatever is like some sort of reincarnated, like, Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> if you do, if you do Samad's character, if you do Samad arts and backwards, it's Nostradamus, and that's why I like. I remember after I, I was, went, did I say 16th century? Yeah, when I did 16th century, I was like, I feel like I had more there, and that's when I went to sleep and I forgot <laughs> to add anything. Um, but yeah, it was like I was trying to do like where like like oh that fucking no oh, like Samad guy is insane. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I used to be like, like super where like they, obsessed with Nostradamus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then the only thing with linking the elephants was the idea that an elephant never forgets. So hopefully that was like trying to do, I was trying to do something with that and I lost it. And somewhere in the mix of that too. Um, Damn. But yeah. Yeah. Once I had an idea either um, like that, the story about the little boy, um, that was, that's a true story. I guess I found online when I was trying to figure out reincarnation stuff. And then um, the elephant thing was like, yeah, that's all like fun facts uh and then yeah that's where we're at oh and then i think the world government not the world government thing oh the energy stuff um i took from the Iceland, yeah because iceland has their own like geothermal energy like they're like isn't iceland like 100 percent um carbon free or whatnot i think they're like um, pretty it close that's all yeah Casey, like I was gonna say, yeah. So I think like that was like where I kind of got like that idea from, as far as like where they could get the energy from, and then the helium three. I can't remember where I found that, but all I heard, all I read somewhere was they said helium three is rare on Earth, but it is available like on the moon. And I'm like, that's good enough for me. It sounds cool. Let's do it. And like, I don't know what it does to the moon, (laughs) right? Exactly. Anyways, that was my thing. Yay, James. Have you ever had a lucid dream or sleep paralysis? Nah, I don't think paralysis, but I definitely have had lucid dreams before, yeah. Wild. As in, um, you were, how would you describe that? Like, out of body experience like, kind of thing? Or Like, I used to, I feel like... Uh, it's just dream awareness my... is lucid dreaming, right? Like, aware that you're in your dream. Yeah, like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like insidious astral planning, whatever the hell that yeah. was thing. But, like, I'd say lucid in the sense that, like, I feel like I am aware or I feel like... 
if I'm laying in bed, I've uh, felt like where I've gone through the bed to the floor, but like, and then not where I'm like looking at myself, but where I can feel like I'm aware of the actions, even though I know I'm, I'm lying there. Um, or in dreams in general, I think I can usually, I'm pretty good at conducting the dream. So like once if I'm in the middle of something and I like, am aware that I'm dreaming, I can usually then depict what I do next. Wow. If that makes sense. Like, or I'm like, I'm dreaming. That's awesome. Okay. So let's just fly and let's fight some dragons. Like a normal person would. Do you guys have internal dialogue? All day, every day, and sometimes I speak it out loud to myself. I speak most things out loud, even if it is internal, so. (laughs) I'm just asking that because I remember, maybe it was like last year, I was reading some article about how there's like a large percentage of people that don't have internal dialogue, and that just blew my mind. Oh, (laughs) all the time. I would go crazy. Yeah, it's cool. Like just listening to you, like go through this. It was like giving me like these ideas were like flying through my head. Like, um, do you ever read anything like into like DNA memory, like where like research where they think like, Oh, it's possible for like memory from like our parents and our grandparents being passed down through DNA and like kind of gets into like historical trauma a bit of it too, but just like, some of like, these weird memories that you may have or like can can actually be passed down through DNA. Yeah, I've heard some of that in the aspect of like trauma and like race trauma especially. Yeah. But also that sounds kind of like uh what Assassin's Creed, right? They can like they go back in time based on the DNA to find the memories. Yeah. Right. Or oh, yeah, twins. Right. You know what I mean? How they say that identical twins share that bond that's beyond this world. Oh, Whatever. not Danny DeVito. <laughs> uh, that's no. <laughs> I was like, wait, when did that happen in the movie Twins? <laughs> so oh, okay, yes. Uh, yeah, like we're one twin. Like, um, I don't know. I think they did in that Haunting of Hill House. Like the one twin died and the other one's just like, I feel so cold. I feel stiff. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like that kind of thing. Yes, that kind mm. of, yep. We did it. Should we close her out? Let's do it. All right. Before we go, we want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine. Remember, new episodes drop on Fridays, and please send your questions, comments, and feedback to moviemachinepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at moviemachinepod. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya.